0: Nobody is just one or very few people are just one mode, right? You're not just a cyclist. You're not just a pedestrian. You're not just a driver. And if we're encouraging people to do, frankly, anything else apart from driving, which is really what we're talking about here, those things need to connect to each other. So the, even as a, even as a person who bikes, you have pedestrian needs as part of that experience.
1: Hi, everyone. This is John Zimmerman, founder of the Active Towns Initiative. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about the people, places, programs, and policies that help to promote a culture of activity within our communities. It's great to have you along for the ride. This episode was recorded a couple weeks ago on Tuesday, March 10th. And I suppose it represents my final uh, in-person interview of any kind until things calm down. Because obviously much has changed since we're all pretty much on a nationwide stay-at-home order. It's a long one, so I'll keep this intro short. Hope you enjoy this little diversion. This is John with the Active Towns podcast. And I am here with Chris Riley and Adam Greenfield. Uh, Chris is representing Bike Austin, and Adam is representing Walk Austin. Walk Austin is a community of people advocating for safe, lively, beautiful streets for everyone. And Bike Austin's vision is we envision a central Austin as a place where everyone recognizes and embraces the benefits of cycling, whether they ride or not, and where cycling is a common aspect of daily life for everyone. Gentlemen, welcome.
0: Thanks. Thank, Thank you. Great to be here.
1: Excellent. Adam, why don't you kind of share with us the story of Walk Austin? How did Walk Austin come about?
0: Well, uh, so Walk Austin, uh, there's actually various accounts of how it got started because there there have been several groups using similar names like that going back to the mid-1990s. So the the Walk Austin that, that I've been involved with has, has been around since the the early 2010s the the version that i know it's been very much a grassroots organization active in uh, the 2016 bond campaign which was really decisive for getting more funding for sidewalks and other pedestrian related stuff there's always been an interesting synergy between walk austin and the city of austin pedestrian advisory council they kind of kick ideas between them. And often Walk Austin will take something that the Pedestrian Advisory Council recommended and take it to the grassroots level and drum up support for it. But really, I mean, Walk Austin is there because for decades, the the needs of people who walk were ignored. And you can see this in Austin today, the historic legacy when you walk around and sidewalks are absent or broken or obscured. You have to wait sometimes minutes to cross the road it's dangerous to do so and it's not an environment that pedestrians were incorporated into for a long time and finally we're starting to turn the corner on that but we have decades of legacy to turn around so uh walk austin is more relevant than ever and we're just excited to to be here and and keep pushing for for the city and other agencies to do the right thing. Chris, what's the origin story
1: for Bike Austin?
0: Bike Austin has a long and kind of complicated
2: history. It goes back to a couple different organizations that merged sometime around 2014-2015. Uh, The larger of those was called the Austin Cycling Association, and that was a very big group of people who were mainly recreational cyclists, people who would enjoy the the longer rides out on the the highways. Um, And then there was also another group called, originally called the Legal Bicycle of Voters that was involved in discussions about the city of Austin's helmet ordinance some years ago. The two groups merged and, uh, under, under the name of, of Bike Austin and are united towards getting more people to, to uh, appreciate the benefits of biking. That covers a, a wide spectrum of attitudes and approaches to biking, uh, including those who do enjoy the, the recreational rides and those who make use of biking as, a, as just a, a way to get around. And I, I fall into the latter category. I'm more of a transportation cyclist. I, I, I haven't owned a car in a long time. And there are a lot of us out there who who are getting to, to see biking as a, um, uh, as a very useful way to navigate the city. For me personally, it's a, it's a way to get around without imposing a lot, of, a lot of negative effects on the world or my neighbors and, and without putting people's lives in danger. And, and I think more and more people are, are, are coming around to that view. And so we're continuing to evolve and, and figure out ways to, to support biking. Essentially, all, all that is to say we want to see more butts on bikes. We we want to grow biking as as a movement in Austin, and uh, and that involves transformation of our, of our streets and trails to make sure that everyone can get around safely.
1: I'll stick with you here, Chris. If you can roll in to explain a little bit about the structure of the organization.
2: Right now, we're we're a fairly small board. We don't have any permanent year-round staff at this point. We we are hiring staff to help with Bike to Work Day, which is coming up in May, and uh, and there will be a lot of there. We always do a lot of activities in, around Bike Month in the, mo- in the month of May, and so we do have some people helping us with that to make sure we pull off a, another successful event. But generally, we're it's a it's a very trim, uh, lean volunteer-run organization. Uh, we do hope to grow the movement and get to a point where we have, are up and running and, and, and have a paid staff and, and we're on par with comparable other, other organizations in, in other cities. But right now it's, it's a fairly lean organization that's doing the best we can with the resources we have to, to advance the cost of biking.
1: And as a nonprofit, what's the incorporation structure? Is it a five hundred one c three or five hundred one c four?
2: We actually have two different organizations. We have uh, Bike Austin, which is a well, I'm gonna might get the number, numbers wrong. We have Bike Austin, and we have a Bike Austin Education Fund. Bike Austin is is engaged in advocacy, and Bike Austin Education Fund is more of a, a traditional five hundred one c three nonprofit that, that just voted devoted
1: towards. Uh, more general ed- education efforts yeah so it sounds like the education fund would be the the c3 the 501 c3 that's and then the uh the membership base because it's a paid membership structure is the c4 that's right that's right
2: yeah. And so we're continuing to work on that. And I, don't, I wouldn't say that we've necessarily landed on our, on our final iteration as, our, as an organization. Uh, right now, we're really focused on working with Walk Austin and other organizations towards um, joint efforts to advance the cause of transforming our streets and, and to make alternative forms of transportation
1: more attractive to, to everyone. Adam, what's the structure and in, in legal sort of framework of uh, Walk Austin?
0: We're simply a 501c3 volunteer board, similar to Austin. It's pretty simple. And, and like with Bike Austin, we, we want to get to a point where we have paid staff. That's, that's very much the goal and to, you know, make sure that someone's working on this day in day out.
1: So what was sort of the, you know, the origin story of, of you getting engaged in, in active, uh, in advocating for safer streets?
0: Well, it's kind of a weird start for me because when I moved, uh, when I moved from the UK in 2004, I moved to San Francisco and my, my sister gave me a historic walking tours of San Francisco book. And when I first moved there, I had no friends. I didn't know anyone. So I just started doing all the walks from this book. And this book was pointing out architectural styles and histories of particular places and things to notice and observe. And I had never really looked around me before. I had never just looked at things deeply and, and been observant. And, and through this book, I, this, this seed was planted in my brain uh, of the joys of walking and the, the richness uh, of experience that you get from that. And then as I, as I sort of started to, to move forward with that, I started to realize that, that a walkable place is, uh, is, is kind of like an indicator quality of an amazing place. If you have walking, you have uh, much stronger social cohesion, people are bumping into each other, exchanging ideas, learning from each other, they're healthier, there's less loneliness, there's less depression. And people start to to make places more, they start to beautify their environment. And it's just this beautiful virtuous cycle that touches every part of your life. And moving to Austin, you know, Austin is typically said to be a driving city. Um, and if you look at the mode share, that is true, but there is still an incredible amount of, of uh, wonderful walking to do here. Some people, unfortunately, not as many as, as there should be, uh, are in a position in Austin where they can actually walk for their daily needs, but not many. And that that is something we need to change. But this is still a, a great city and many places to walk. And uh, I encourage people. I mean, one of the great things to do is just on a Saturday afternoon, just walk across town. Right. And... It's amazing. I did it in a, in a neighborhood fairly close to my house even recently that I had... I'm actually a, a cyclist too. I don't have a car. And uh, I decided to walk across a neighborhood that I had I had biked through a hundred times, mm-hmm. but I had never walked through. And walking through it was... It was almost a revelation. Right. The the the, the 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 number of things that I was noticing and the interactions I was having with people was incredible. And so... Um, I think the, often the, the slower you go, the, the richer your experience. So yeah. it's not just about having a richer experience, as I say. It's also walking should be uh, a practical thing. Uh, it should be a, a healthy thing. It, should, it, it, it will touch every part of your life if, if we can make that an option for more people.
1: Right, right. So it's a volunteer organization, and your effort is a volunteer effort. What are yeah. you doing when you're not working on um, Walk Austin? Stuff.
0: everything i do is related to the built environment uh and to community so i actually do work with bike austin on bike projects too uh i work on um walkability projects i'm currently chair of the city of austin pedestrian advisory council And I'm in a fortunate position where I can pick the projects that I care about and work on them for the most part. Right. And so you know, right now we have a big campaign uh, to, about Congress Avenue, which we'll probably touch on later. We have a potential uh, transportation bond. Um Coming up in November, which is right. really exciting. The Land Development Co. conversation is something Walcostin has really pushed for very hard. And so th- there's a lot of things. Yeah, a lot yeah. of things going on. There's far too much. Far too.
1: What's your, your professional training? Did did you have training in this in this area or did you just fall into this?
0: I have learned by doing. I I I'm I consider Jane Jacobs to be one of my great heroes. And a and wonderful heroine there. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and she, she, she as far as I know, didn't have a professional background, and yet she, she wrote one of the most beloved urban design books yeah. of all time. Such a,
1: a wonderful observer right. of
0: her community and humanity. Yeah. Right, and I think that, that balance that she struck of, of uh, the intellectual approach and the activist approach is, is absolutely something that is a very powerful role model for me. So, um, yeah, I. Fantastic. Chris, how the heck did you get involved with all
1: this?
2: Well, I guess that that's kind of a long story that I, I grew up enjoying biking, but it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I came to see biking as, as something that would uh, allow me to, to live my life in, a, in an altogether different way. I, I, uh, you know, I, lo- I moved downtown a long time ago, back in 1990, and I, I came to realize that having a car downtown actually was something of, of, of a burden. There were all these, just having to maintain it, cart around, park it when you'd go somewhere, uh, the, the, it, it just felt like a like a heavy piece of luggage that I had to drag everywhere. And I finally, when I finally got rid of my car, it was so liberating, and that uh, I'd, I'd never look back. And I, I don't see myself owning a car ever again. And so, f- for me, I came to associate driving with a lot of problems that we have at, as a as a culture, especially in a very car dependent place like like Austin. When I, I got involved in, in uh, neighborhood efforts, helped start the Downtown Austin Neighborhood Association back in the 90s, got appointed the Planning Commission and got more and more, more involved in, in city planning efforts uh, and came to understand how our city had grown up around the car, around serving the car, and what that has meant for uh, the health of our city and its people. And so I became interested in, in trying to find ways to mitigate those effects and to provide alternatives that would allow people to enjoy other ways of getting around. And so once I started through seeing things through that lens, I became kind of obsessed with, with trying to transform the city's streets and, and our built environment in general. Right now, a large part of the problem is that our, our city is so spread out and so unpleasant in many ways in, in, in the spaces between our destinations that it's, it, tend, it can be a very hostile place for either biking or walking. And so if you really want to make this a, 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 a comfortable city for, for those sorts of activities, you really need to look not just at the, the lines on the street. You need to look at the shape of the city itself that has has driven a lot of my efforts on on uh, the land development code and and uh and the city in general right now I'd, after, after having worked at the city for some time i uh, uh the last big thing on my bucket list is to get more housing in my neighborhoods I, as i mentioned i am lucky enough to live downtown and so from yes when you're right there next to our major transit lines and so close to all our destinations it's it's relatively easy to to get around by car but i realize it's not so easy for everybody in austin so many people are stuck in locations where where those options are dangerous and uninviting and so i'm interested in providing more opportunities that that make those choices more attractive and in particular i'm trying to get more housing in my neighborhood i've bought a little lot next to my house and I'm trying to figure out how to get some housing there. And so that's what I spend my time on. But all of this, both of my efforts on housing and land development code and biking, it's it's all geared towards the sort of things that Adam was, was talking about, uh, about the fact that, that uh, the way we move around can fundamentally affect the way we see our neighbors and our city. And so uh, if we want to strive towards a, a more pleasant city and a better quality of life and, and a city that is uh, kinder to the planet, then a large part of that is going to involve reducing our dependence on cars. Austin is a great place to be working on that sort of thing because we're, are, we're growing so fast that we have a meaningful opportunity to shape the city that we will be, that People will we'll be experiencing for years to come. We're, Austin tends to double in size every 20 or 25 years. And so if you don't like the city we have now, you have the opportunity to, to, to reshape it and to make it a place that uh, uh, is a little closer to our, deal, our ideals as a city. Right now, we have about uh, the latest ad indicate we're, we're up at around 75% of Austinites commuting to work by themselves by car which is worse than, than, than Los Angeles <laughs> where we're more car dependent than Los Angeles when it comes to, to uh, work commutes. And that's I, I don't as a, as a native Austinite, I don't think that is in line with our, our ideals. I think Austinites want to be kind to the planet, want to interact with their neighbors and want to be uh, inflicting a, a, a minimal amount of, of, of harm <laughs> as, as we go about our day and uh, and so it's a, there's a great opportunity that we have to reshape our streets. In a way that uh, that gets Austin a little closer to its ideals. And that's especially exciting in in this era that we're that we face now for for biking since since uh, about well for about the last ten years, there's been a, a revolution going on in the world of biking that that uh, looks to Europe to identify how you can provide routes that, Feel safe and protected from cars, so, the, so that everyone, whether they're eight years old or 80 years old, can can feel comfortable and safe getting to their destinations on, on bike. And so we have this model out there. We know that there's uh, there are huge benefits to be gained by making biking more appealing, and so it's just a matter of, of figuring out how to get there. So that's a it's it's a very exciting thing to be involved in, and uh, I really in, enjoy working with Adam and other advocates on 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 how we can work together to make those options uh, safe and inviting for everyone.
1: So a couple of different things came up. Uh, You both mentioned the LDC, the Land Development Code rewrite. Kudos to you, uh, Chris, for uh, taking on the challenge of doing your own incremental development to, you know, add some density to some, to your neighborhood. That's awesome stuff. You also both mentioned, you know, very briefly the, the bond. So we want to, we'll touch upon that at some point in time during our conversation. And we also want to make sure that we remember to uh, talk a little bit about uh, some visioning for Congress Avenue. And for our listeners, Congress Avenue is really, the welcome mat <laughs> for yeah. the city of Austin. Mm-hmm. And, and it leads you right up to the state capitol. And so it, it's one of those streets that really should be just a special, special place. But before we dive into to those three different uh, topics, I wanted to sort of tee this up for you. And that is a trend that I've been seeing across the country of bike-imped organizations merging to try to grow their voice, grow their power. Just this last week, it happened in Denver where Walk Denver partnered up with Bicycle Colorado to create a, a sub-organization called the Denver Streets Partnership. And actually, technically, the Denver Streets Partnership existed prior to. And really, it was part because the, the Bike Denver organization sort of folded some time ago we're seeing this in in other cities. Is that something that you know makes sense doing?
0: Adam, Chris, sure. We we've, we've definitely been watching what's been going on across the country. We're very aware of the of these mergers happening. For me personally, I, I mean, I, I have a great story about why working closer together, at the very least, if not merging, is is really effective. For some time, Bike Austin had been working on a campaign to bring protected bike lanes to Shoal Creek Boulevard, which is a prominent north-south artery for walking and biking that goes from the Colorado River about 13, 14 miles north. And it's the way to go between North Austin and, and Central Austin. and Initially it started, it was a Bike Austin campaign and there was outreach based on that. A year or two before the culmination of the campaign, Walk Austin got involved. And I think at that point there was a, there was a big difference in the campaign um, because both walking and biking have their, their advantages and disadvantages from an advocacy point of view. Walking is something that's universal, everyone does it, but there's not necessarily a strong attachment as a mode. People don't necessarily strongly identify as pedestrians. Biking, there's a very strong mode attachment. People who bike really often feel very passionate about it. But still, as a a mode share, it's relatively small right now in Austin, and we wanna make that greatly larger. But when we bring them together, campaigns are so much more effective. Their, their message is more universal. It's easier to get funding. There's all kinds of benefits. and So we definitely saw both WarCost and Bicostin definitely saw the benefits of working really closely together on that and bringing both our boards to bear, our resources and assets that each organization had to bear on that. And I think that was a really eye-opening experience for For a lot of us. And also, of course, at the beginning of the project, it was largely framed as a bike, uh, as a bike project, and Walk Austin was able to bring in some advocacy around more crosswalks, sidewalks, slip lane closures, and so forth. So it had that effect as well. And the other thing I think that we really realized is that any bike lane is good for pedestrians and any pedestrian projects is good for people who bike. So there, there's a lot of synergy between those two. Yeah, I think there's some
1: really interesting learnings here. And, and one of the things that I'm seeing uh, across the country is, is this move towards not talking about things in silos, not talking about it as a, a, a bike project or a cycling infrastructure yeah. project or yeah. a pedestrian infrastructure, you know, infrastructure project. Uh, more along the lines of this is a li- more livable street. This is a, a place that is more appropriate for all ages and abilities, uh, regardless of their mode to be able to safely be able to get get about. So I mean, it, in, in, right. And in, in for the listeners, we'll make sure that we provide a, a link to the video. Uh, from the celebration ride that happened out at the Shoal Creek Boulevard, um, sort of unveiling of the one little section that was open. And you'll see in there a couple of of clips, uh, you'll actually see some of the Pedestrian crossings and 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 you know it, it really is this concept of how do we make streets more livable for everyone, and really what that equates to in many cases is a traffic calming approach, bringing the motor vehicle speeds down so that the environment that people who choose to to cycle and or walk or scoot or whatever are in a safer more inviting environment would would you agree that that's kind of yeah
0: you you put it as well as i could absolutely and i think the other point is that nobody is just one or very few people are just one mode right you're not just a cyclist you're not just a pedestrian you're not just a driver and if we're encouraging people to do frankly anything else apart from driving which is really what we're talking about here those things need to connect to each other. So the even as a even as a person who bikes, you have pedestrian needs as part of that experience. And uh, someone I know recently who visited Amsterdam, you know, which is very known for its obviously for its bicycling culture, but they said they were amazed at how how many people actually uh, use cycling for part of their journey, but they also will use the train or they'll walk. And so those things, so that's why we need to work together because they need to connect with each other. A transit project needs to connect to a bike lane. A bike lane needs to have good sidewalks near it. And I think at that Shoal Creek celebration that you, you spoke about um, recently, one of the things I noticed, we had, we had the celebration at the park. And at, at that moment, we were all pedestrians. We were standing and walking around. But then right next to the park is the new two-way protected bike lane facility. And the cyclists were getting a lot out of riding by these people hanging out in the park and we were enjoying waving to them going by. And so it had this virtuous echo chamber effect where we were all enjoying each other's presence as people on foot, people on bike. And we need to go further in that direction.
1: Right. And it reinforces something that you had said earlier about life at... More human speed. And Chris, you had mentioned that you're primarily a, a commuting cyclist, a utilitarian cyclist, so someone who is. Uh, typically riding somewhere between seven and fifteen miles per hour, and the ability to comprehend and absorb your environment when you're either walking somewhere around you know three to five miles per hour, you're able to feel the richness of your environment, and the same with cycling. You know life it. You know, seven to 15 miles per hour, you're able to notice things and smell things and appreciate, you know, the environment and that's, that's good stuff. And that helps create person to person interaction. So the sociability, which you just mentioned, Adam, you know, kind of comes into play. Any, any thoughts on, you know, this kind of trend that is happening in terms of organizations trying to pull together, you know, uh, to, to increase the power and the relevance?
2: We're really presenting a, a, a challenge to a very deeply entrenched aspect of our culture. And that is how the extent to which we depend on our cars and the way we've grown to and uh, accept cars as such and, uh, and improve important inherent part of, of daily life. It really comes down to how we structure our streets and, 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 uh, and the purposes that we think that streets are to be used for. If a street is, is really just a, 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 a conduit for moving, uh, vehicles as quickly as possible, a plate that's something to just to, to zoom through, uh, without regard to anything along the street, uh, then, then you structure your, your city in a particular way to, to, to maximize uh, the, the use of, of cars. If, on the other hand, you're interested in, uh, um, in making your city more of, a, of an appealing place to be, as opposed to a, a, a collection of infrastructure to move through, then you then you start taking a completely different approach to, to your streets. If you want to create a, a a pleasant place to be, you're going to want to slow traffic down and make them more humane places. And that's not just about biking or about walking. That is about about making our streets appealing places and not just conduits for moving vehicles. And so in that regard, bikes and pedestrians really have a common cause. We're really all about about uh, transforming the streets which which can be threatening if you really think if you're really single-minded about the way you you view your streets. Uh, but actually when we look at the numbers in Austin and elsewhere, most people actually don't have that very single-minded view of the streets. In fact, a majority of people in Austin would say that they would take a bike for for short trips if they felt that there was a, a, a safe and attractive way to do that. That's not that doesn't mean that everybody's gonna be on their bike for all their trips, but it does mean that there's a large number of people out there who would be up for taking at least short trips on their bike if that if that were a safe and appealing option. And so our our efforts really need to be directed at at uh, at transforming our streets in a way in a way that makes those short trips a- appealing not just to people wearing spandex and zooming around around very fast but to either uh, beginning bicyclists or pedestrians or anyone else who wants to move about the city in a way that allows them to enjoy the place they're in instead of just zipping through a, a, the street as, as quickly as possible. And so that's really, I think you're, you're right that we have a lot of reasons to work together because that is very much a, a common mission for both of us, whether we're promoting biking or walking.
1: Yeah. And, and, Especially, and in, in, I'll probably pivot and head towards talking a little bit about the bond um, you know, coming up. The, that concept of, it, it's really not about the mode, the conveyance mode that you're using. It's not about the bike. You know, it's, it really is about creating a more livable street environment that all ages and abilities feel like there's a safe environment for. And I'm gonna pause just to talk a a little bit about the street that I'm looking out out on here. This is a a 1940s neighborhood. The streets are quite narrow. Uh, There's no sidewalks for the most part in this neighborhood. Each and every street that we have in this residential area, which also, by the way, is within easy walking and biking distance to the downtown area, is inherently a shared street. Most of these streets will never have sidewalks. Most of these streets will never have bike lanes. Uh, Most of these streets are so narrow that when there's a car parked on either, an automobile parked on either side of the street, it becomes a yield street. And so that kind of like that reframing too of what safe streets are and the traffic calming, uh, mechanisms and tactics that we can do within our communities and you can go for an easy walk or, or a bike around the neighborhood and you'll see little signs that, that residents have put out saying please slow down children playing you know th- this is this environment that you see the public realm out there that is our streets, our residential neighborhood streets that's where we that's how we get around that's how we recreate that's how we use that street, for utilitarian trips to, to get to work, to get to the grocery store, uh, to get to school. Um, we have a pretty good number of kids that ride and walk to school, you know, and that means they're in the middle of the street. So (laughs) it becomes this, this interesting dynamic because what we've talked about thus far is we keep talking about infrastructure. Sometimes the infrastructure is what do you need to do to just, calm the street and traffic calm the street and it, it brings me back to and, and we mentioned you mentioned a little bit about the netherlands and and how they are so masterful at blending modes and in transit in you know, the transit cycling infrastructure connections and all of that one of the things that isn't realized is that the vast majority of streets, even in the Netherlands, are actually what they call feetstraats. They're actually bike streets that where there's no specific infrastructure, it's just narrow streets where the motor vehicle speeds are actually at 30 kilometers um, per hour or less. So it, it, it's like the shifting of narrative of, of understanding that especially in some of our older, more connected grid-like pattern streets, there's an awful lot of opportunity if we can just slow the motor vehicle traffic down to that becomes de facto shared streets. Would either of you like to chime in on that concept? What, you're absolutely right. That 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 is
2: a, a very important part of, of the mission before us. The, the city of Austin does currently have a neighborhood bikeways program, where they're trying to figure out ways to do exactly what you're describing: calm the traffic on those neighborhood streets, that would provide safe routes to the larger uh, infrastructure networks that would uh, that provide connections throughout the city, and that will be a, a combination of. Uh, Various measures that that are available to try to uh, reduce traffic speeds, that the state has limited our options somewhat, and I'm, we're, we continue to try to make progress on that every legislative session. Uh, there's a growing recognition that that lower speed limits can help a lot in making cities safer and 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 more livable. We're also looking; the city is also looking at at, at new tools for calming traffic. There are some speed humps that uh, that have been successful in the northwest that uh, that Austin expects to be getting soon that are not the sort of speed humps that we've had before these will be Speed humps that will be that at least we're told they will be be, be gentler for for people on on bikes, but still um, encourage cars to 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 slow their traffic speeds. With more resources, we could also do some more creative efforts to calm traffic that would include things like chicanes and other other measures that um, involve reshaping the street in 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 order to to slow traffic down all of that needs to keep moving forward along with the efforts to get um, uh, to get more of the the infrastructure in place that that is missing and you mentioned the, the neighborhoods like this one in South Austin that that largely uh, lack sidewalks i grew up in Terrytown which is the same story built post world war 2 at a time when we figured everybody was going to be driving everywhere forever and and so no need for sidewalks. We there is a, a, a very significant shortage of, of uh, sidewalk infrastructure, and and we really need to get more of that out there. And We can't just accept that these post World War II neighborhoods will 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 be auto dependent forever. We need to do everything we can to retrofit these neighborhoods with with the infrastructure that makes makes other modes safe safe and inviting. But that uh, on all of that is is an effort that. That uh, bike Austin and walk Austin are working jointly with the city on to to to, to try to identify ways to reshape uh, travel patterns in 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 a way that that um, that serves all modes.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I, I chuckle too, especially on a weekend. Uh, you'll you'll get out into the neighborhood here, and you, you'd swear that the city was having an open streets <laughs> event because you're you're out there. There's there's like kids riding up and down, and scooters, and and skateboards, and folks are pushing you know strollers in the middle of the street, and and yeah, and 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 people also driving. And what happens is intuitively the drivers slow down because it's, it's obvious that this is, is not a highway. This is in fact a street. Pardon the pause here. We're a little more than halfway through the episode and I wanted to report that the intensity of people on the street has dramatically increased, which is so cool to see. We're really connecting socially at a safe distance. And since I brought up uh, Open Streets, let's talk about a vi- the vision for, for Congress.
0: Congress Avenue. So the background behind that is last March, the Congress Avenue Urban Design Initiative or UDI, which is a joint project of the Downtown Austin Alliance, the Downtown Business Association, and the Public Works Department with the City of Austin Uh, They came out with a draft recommendation for overhauling Congress Avenue from Riverside, which is just south of the Colorado River, to the state capitol. That's about 13 blocks. And they presented that to the Pedestrian Advisory Council, and the Pedestrian Advisory Council came out with further recommendations to add on top of that. The the PAC uh, was very... Supportive of the UDIs conversation that they started, and was really excited about a lot of the ideas they had, and the PAC felt like we could go even further and really make this our take advantage of this once in a generation opportunity to to make to both of your points uh, from a minute ago to make Congress Avenue, which is called the Main Street of Texas, a place to go to and not just to go through a destination. And not just a a highway and right now it is largely a highway like environment it has six lanes running through it which is the same number of lanes as interstate 35 immediately to the east it's not an environment that people want to hang out at hang out on or linger on for very long they want to pass through and duck into a building or just drive through and you can see this reflected in Ordered up windows on some blocks, uh, vacancies, struggling businesses, and, and a low foot count, uh, not to mention not as many people biking as they would like to. So the, the PAC's vision was, was actually largely informed as well um, by conversations that Chris and myself and some other advocates have been having around that time about how Congress Avenue could be better. So that's the background. Mm -hmm. Should, should Should we discuss the vision? Sure. Yeah, let's dive in. So we looked to other cities around the country and saw that they had, in the 20th century, had gotten more people coming back to their main streets. And that was what we felt was the main goal here is to get people to come to Congress Avenue. And we looked at cities that had gone all the way cities like Boulder, Colorado, Charlottesville, Virginia, that had actually made their main streets a a car-free environment. And they had worked very successfully. But we were also aware that 90% of streets that had been pedestrianized in the 20th century did not work, and they were turned back into car-dominated streets. And so we realized that we can't have a crystal ball for Congress Avenue, and we can't know what Congress Avenue will do in the future. And we don't know whether a car-free environment would work there. That was sort of the initial, perhaps more crude vision we had is like other cities have a car-free environment, San Antonio immediately to the south. That's why people go there to, to experience the car-free spaces. But we don't know if that'll work. So our, our recommendation was basically to redesign Congress Avenue as a, as a place to test ideas and to test reallocating space to people. But if it doesn't work, we can scale it back. And if it does work to keep moving in that direction. And so the, the, the first really important aspect of that is, is frankly, just to reallocate space. This six lane highway like environment is not working really for anyone. So we need to reallocate a portion of that space back to people who walk, people who bike. So sidewalk level, protected bike lanes, extremely important. Also, with that expanded sidewalk space, we had the idea of installing small kiosk-like structures that could house any use you could imagine. So cafes, restaurants, uh, tourist information, restrooms, retail, and let... Let different entities try out different uses in those kiosks and, and you can see this in c- cities around the world have similar things if you go to uh, Mexico City if you go to Las Ramblas in Barcelona you'll see these kind of structures and what they do really well is they add more reasons for people to visit these streets in very small spaces. So we calculate that we could get about 300 of these structures on Congress Avenue from the river to the state capitol. So that's 300 more reasons for people to visit Congress Avenue on a street that right now on many blocks is dominated by large single-use buildings, offices, hotels that don't create a lot of vibrancy. So that's the first thing, and that would would supercharge Congress Avenue as a lively place. And once once the street gets livelier, then it creates this virtuous cycle where more people want to come to enjoy the liveliness and then more people want to come still. The other main proposal in there is to redesign the northern four blocks of Congress Avenue south of the iconic state capitol, into what we call a festival street. And a festival street is a design that's that's been out there for a while. There's a famous example in Chinatown in Portland, Oregon, and it's basically a street that is really easy to turn into an event space. And the chief design features are a roadway and sidewalk that's all one level, paved differently to the rest of the street network. So it indicates you're in a different environment. And then barriers that are always present at the end of the street that you can just deploy at any time uh, to swing the gates and close the street to cars and open it as an event space. and. This design works well because the businesses uh, which often don't do very well during street events can take more advantage of those events by spilling out into the street without being blocked by a curb. It also makes it easier to close the street to cars and cheaper and therefore there can be more money going to the events themselves to make them better. And crucially, it also makes it easier to test different lengths of time for the event. So On Congress Avenue today, we have one or two day events. In the future, we might try a a week-long event, two weeks, a month, four months, six months, or whatever. And let's say we get to six months and, you know, the community says, well, that that didn't really work for us. We prefer four or we prefer two. Then we can scale it back because it's just a question of closing and opening gates. But if it worked for six months, we could go longer and longer and longer and longer and just see how far we go, taking small incremental bets not big risky bets and so in short that is that is our vision of a congress avenue that we can test as a people space and maybe one day it might be partly a car free space but maybe it wouldn't we don't need to know the answer right now right
1: yeah. And, it, and you mentioned Barcelona. And of course, they have recently rolled out the super blocks where uh, the nine block square areas in the interior, the the speed limit is uh, something along the lines of 17 kilometers per hour. It's ultra low speed. It's It's really clear that in that realm, yes, people in cars, you can venture in but it's very much a different type of environment this is a, a truly a human a people oriented place it's a human rich place not a place to 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 have you know motor vehicles traveling fast so it seems like there's a whole bunch of different gradients from completely car free to ultra low speed environments for for cars chris
2: our efforts on this have really been a long time coming. the The, uh, the Great Streets Master Plan was developed by the City of Boston almost 20 years ago, um, and it did result in some very significant transformations downtown, especially on on Second Street. And you can see the results of that today. If you you can go enjoy sitting at a cafe or strolling along the along the nice wide sidewalk under the beautiful trees, and uh, and enjoy that very different urban environment. But in general, downtown has not been transformed to the extent that uh, we, we were thinking back then. The plan really contemplated a, a, a reordering of the hierarchy downtown for, for transportation. For, for many years, we've, our, our efforts have been geared around just making the streets what I referred to earlier as conduits for cars that's that's why we we uh, changed our old two-way streets into one-way streets so we could blast cars through as quickly as possible. And about 20 years ago we realized we need to change that and we 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 need to start uh, making downtown more of a place that's appealing for other modes and we we said at the time that our our, our uh, we were going to put uh, pedestrians first yeah. followed by bike, bikes and transit and then and then cars. But if you look around downtown Austin today it's really hard it's hard to see that we've we've uh, achieved that in places other than Second Street and Third Street and and Third Street. That's true. Uh, we do have a great East West uh, uh, facility on on, uh, on on Third Street. But if you're trying to go north south on on the street in downtown Austin, you might be a little disappointed because there's really not many good routes to take. Uh, most, in fact, we, we, while we do have a couple bike lanes and a couple other streets that are, that are relatively calm, we don't have a north-south corridor where biking or, or other modes are, are truly embraced in, to the extent that you see on 2nd or 3rd Street. And, and so Congress Avenue really is a very important opportunity to reaffirm our commitment to, to, to um, embracing other modes. It is a reflection of our, of our values. Right now, it, it, uh, it, it says we're all about cars. We want to move as, as many cars as we can all at once, and, and other modes are really just an afterthought. The, the need to transform Congress Avenue has been identified and, and, and embraced, and, and even the, the design initiative that, that Adam uh, mentioned, throughout the process, there was a recognition that we need to at least have protected bikeways. It's a, uh, there is a consensus that we need to change Congress Avenue, and yet we still don't have an identified funding source or a timeline for getting there. Twenty years after, the, well, not quite twenty years, but twenty years after we started working on the on the Great Streets Master Plan, we still don't know how we're going to get there. And so, uh, yes, we absolutely need to transform Congress Avenue in the way that Adams was describing. Adam was describing it, and we also need to figure out how that is going to happen. And that means uh, getting funding mechanisms in place that will make it happen. It it, it is not. Cheap to rework a street like Congress Avenue. There is a lot of drainage infrastructure. There, there's obviously all the all the treatment of the the um, the, the paving at the surface. Uh, creating a festival street would involve some expense. Uh, in, involved uh, with uh, with all of those things, both the surface treatment, and the drainage, and so on. And then there's electrical connections. There's a lot of utility infrastructure. Mm-hmm. There is a, a a significant price tag to doing this. But it is so critical, and it, it is so central to our identity as a city uh, to, to, the the classic photo you can any day you can go out to Congress Avenue and you will see people standing there on the street trying in the middle of Congress Avenue braving traffic trying to t- trying to capture an image of the capitol. it yeah. is a it is a place that uh, where people want to be and yet we're not providing safe places for them to enjoy the avenue and so. Uh, the the upcoming bond election presents an opportunity to, to for Austin to live up to its values and to rise up to the challenge of, of, of actually transforming our streets in the way that we have been talking about for many years. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, in addition to funding a major new transit system for Austin, we will also have some funding opportunities on on the ballot that will enable us to transform streets like Congress Avenue and 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 other streets so that we can truly em- embrace those other modes that that um,
1: talking about supporting for so many years. Great. Yeah. Uh, comments on the on
0: the bond. It's incredibly important. Uh, I think the other thing is that because of the speed of the change in Austin recent years that Chris mentioned earlier, there people now think differently in Austin. Austin has a history of, of not voting for transportation bonds. I drive, why would I fund a bus, for example? That's changing a lot. People increasingly are moving here who don't see the car as a tool of liberation anymore. They they love to get the they love to get the train, the bus. Uh, walk or, or bike, and so I think we are primed in terms of where people are at the the out there to create a city that has true transportation choice. I think that would be, that's something that really excites people, and yeah, I think I think we're ready for it. I don't want to make predictions about what's going to happen in November. We advocates and others need to do a lot of work between now and then to get the message out to people and help them to see even if you drive, why, you should, why we should fund uh, alternatives to driving.
1: I think that's a really, really good point. And, and since we're kind of running a little bit long here, we'll, we'll try to wrap this up with some final thoughts. Advice from the ground. Adam, Chris, who wants to go first? They're pointing at each other.
0: <laughs> well, we, we, we need to do the work. We just we just need to get out there i think we can thankfully because we passed a sizable transportation bond in 2016 that has uh, created a lot of new uh, pedestrian and bike infrastructure we overhauled our bus network in the last year or so and and ridership has been on the uptick ever since we can point to those examples of if you want if you want this to be even better than this even even greater let's let's really take it up to the next level and to paint that vision um, for example uh, not to steal Chris's thunder with with bikes but there is this vision of a big loop um, which would connect the South Walnut Creek Trail to the Walnut Creek Trail to Shoal Creek and uh, along the river um, Lance Armstrong Bikeway to create this 30 mile hike bike loop around Austin that would be that would be something that that people would fly in or travel from around the country to do because it would be incredible. And it it would-
1: sounds like what you're saying is when you, you said paint this vision, it's like, yeah. and this is something again that people from around the country, or around the world, can can relate to. Is yeah. we have to do a better job of storytelling.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, you know, I've been I've been saying to the city of Austin for some time now, and they're starting to move in this direction, that. We need to, every time we put something in like a new bike lane or a new sidewalk, we need to show simply a picture of what it looked like before and what it looked like after. Those those pictures are very exciting to people. People think visually. So we need to paint strong visuals. We need to paint this vision of a world-class Congress Avenue with this Taj Mahal-like iconic view at the end of it at the state capitol. We need to paint the picture of the big loop, this incredible cycling, walking facility, and there's other visions we can paint, but I think that's what that's what we're going to need to show people. This is how amazing it could be. This is why we need to vote for this. At the same time, I think we can also
2: point to the the what people see every day at rush hour downtown. You will, or or um, not just downtown on 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 Mopac or I-35. The current system that we have, where we're expecting everybody for at least three quarters of the population to, to drive alone to work, it just doesn't work in a city that's the size of Austin that is continuing to grow. It, the system just breaks down. You will be stuck at, at, uh, at traffic lights for multiple cycles. It just doesn't work. So even if you want to keep driving... You've got to recognize that that's not going to work out very well if everybody else is also trying to drive at the same time. It just, this, this, just as a sheer matter of geometry, you can't fit that many single occupant vehicles into an urban place at a, of, a, of a limited size. And so from a sheer matter of geometry, it's in, it's in everyone's interest to provide other options. Not everyone wants to bike or walk to their destinations all the time. But many people would love to, and all the, the data supports that. Many people would enjoy walking or biking if they had the opportunity. And if we could just provide those opportunities and make them safe and appealing and inviting, then you would free up space on the street for those who really do want to or are committed to continuing to drive. We need to get that message out there, that that, uh, that providing options for everyone will make moving around in Austin more pleasant for everyone, whether they're whether they're driving or biking, and I really hope we can have that uh, conversation in a meaningful way as we as we approach the the election in November, because it really is going to be a, a, a critical watershed moment for Austin. We will be making a decision about about uh, our vision for the future. The City Council committed to a, a particular vision this past year when they adopted the Austin Strategic Mobility Plan and set goals of getting to a 50-50 mode split between cars and, and, and other modes. I'm hopeful that the city will share that kind of vision, that the voters will share that kind of vision and embrace the idea of people using other modes. Partly because you, you we will wind up with a, with a, a more beautiful city, as Adam has, has pointed out, and also because if we don't do that we're, we're all just going to be stuck. And that doesn't
1: work. To, in, that's not in anybody's interest. Right, right. And I think it's worth uh, noting that, you know, it is possible to get around the city, uh, especially, you know, for those of us who are privileged enough to live, you know, close to the downtown area. We are able to get around quite comfortably uh, through much of our, you know, close-in places. It's not to say that there isn't a lot of work that yet, Needs to be done. There is, especially as you you indicated, some of those north-south you know connections and, and routes. But it is possible, and I think it's incumbent on all of us who you know primarily get around by walking and biking uh, to help a do so joyfully and and help educate and help inspire others to do that sort of be the change that we want to see and and really open up and. and Embrace and you know encourage people to hey, give it a try, you know And that's one of the reasons you mentioned it earlier uh, When we were talking a little bit about uh, bike to month uh, You know day and week and month Uh, Those are so important to to be able to open up people's eyes to oh wow. I didn't realize it was Possible. I didn't realize it 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 is Easier than I thought it was because the perception is is that it's so difficult gentlemen thank you so
0: much any final words i think let's let's make sure with every victory that we celebrate it i think we need more celebration we need to build this movement and celebrate every success and come together and support each other as we move forward i think we are potentially on the cusp of a major positive new era in austin that will create incredible opportunities for people and, and result in a massive increase in the quality of life for people who live here so i'm really excited i'm Walk Austin and bike costing are going to be right there joining other organizations and we're going to win this I think Adam's right on
2: that. Uh, we all need to be working on this, and so my message to anyone listening would be: join us, join us in helping to pass a, a great bond this this fall. Join us in getting out there and walking or biking every day to demonstrate that those modes are, are, are accepted and 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 viable. Help demonstrate by your conduct that that uh, we can be a, a a city that embraces a positive vision of the future in terms of how we get about our daily lives. There's just a huge opportunity for Austin to do better
1: and we need everybody's help to get there. Yes, I agree. And and hopefully for those of you listening from other cities, hopefully you will gain some inspiration from these two and this conversation. Uh, Chris, Adam, thank you very much. Thank you,
0: John. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
1: And thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found it to be interesting and inspirational. Well, that's all for this week's episode. I have two more remote conversations in the queue for this coming week. But until then, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers.